0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to the program today. Um, we are continuing to um, flesh out some practical theology, specifically around the area of marriage and divorce. So if you've missed any of our past broadcasts this week, uh, you can go to either the 94.1 homepage or you can um, podcast us. Just type in The Gospel for Life and you'll find us. So today's question, yesterday we covered um, must marriage be between one man and one woman? We talked a little bit about polygamy. So now, brothers, this idea of cohabitation. Is is cohabitation permissible apart from marriage?
1: Well, you know, this is one of those uh, areas where, you know, you will read through your Bible and you won't find a specific verse that says, don't do this. Don't cohabit apart from marriage. But if you take the whole of the scripture and, and the whole of its teaching on marriage and uh, on the sexual, the standard of sexual conduct that we're called to, uh, I, the the whole of the Bible and the whole of the Christian tradition uh, calls us to abstain from sexual relations outside of the bond of the marriage of a man and a woman so outside of that bond now I suppose uh, a, a couple could say well we're going to cohabit and we're not going to be having sexual relations well good luck with that Um <laughs> <laughs> the, that, that, <laughs> that would that would that would be that would be that would be unwise in in the extreme and 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 obviously you know we live in a world where you know just in my lifetime the standards on this have really changed in secular culture to where where cohabita- cohabitation when I was a boy cohab- I was born in 1956 when I was a boy co- cohabitation back then was called shacking up and it was considered shameful and something that Christian people didn't do. And uh, today, obviously, much, much more common, in fact, extremely common. In fact, the exception is today it seems to be not cohabiting prior to marriage. And the results of that, I think, have been evident. Um, in fact, the social science research is in, if we wanted confirmation of what Christian tradition teaches, that cohabitation prior to marriage actually increases the likelihood of divorce. I
2: think sometimes we look at a question like this and think, well, it's because of tradition that we, we believe something that, yeah, like Phil said, that that's something we used to kind of think about and do, and that was wrong in the past. But now we're, we've moved past some of those stigmas and, and those human rules. But really this is based upon a biblical principle, and that biblical principle is Ephesians 5.3, um, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you um the n i v would translate that that there must not even be a hint mm-hmm. um, so the question is okay, so you're you're living with your girlfriend or boyfriend. What is that communicating to the world around you? What are they going to assume? I mean, maybe you are keeping yourself sexually pure a like Phil said, I, I doubt it. B, why would you put yourself in a position where you're increasing the likelihood that you're exposing yourself to greater temptation and greater sin? And why would C, why would you want to convey to the world that something that might not even be true? I mean, what is everybody going to believe to be true about your living arrangements and what's happening behind closed doors? Yeah. So in all categories, it's unwise and wrong because we're not supposed to even give a hint that we're doing something sexually immoral or sexually wrong or sexually impure. And you're giving more than a hint. Mm-hmm.
0: And what we do reflects God's reputation. That's correct. Um, I mean, Peter makes this very clear in Second Peter 1 where if you are unfruitful in the knowledge of—if you're unfruitful in, in your sanctification— You're actually casting obscurity on the knowledge of Christ to those who are around you. So God's reputation in one sense is very much in in the Christian's hands. Real question, real quick. Can Uh, I I just give a
2: book recommendation on this really quickly? Um, Kevin DeYoung in his book, The Hole in Our Holiness, has an entire chapter on this. I want to say it's something like The Saints and Sexuality... um, don't quote me on that. But I know for a fact that the book has an entire chapter not devoted to this specific question, but just how we as um, God's people can live in purity in a sexually
0: saturated culture. Yep. Um, and, and we're giving that book away at the conference Yes, here. we are. Um, so, so you'll get it for free if you come to Reformation Boise in November. Doesn't get any better than that. No, uh, well real quick, maybe a shade difference uh, on this question. So. Um, Somebody might say, you know, especially maybe non-Christians, but I could see more and more Christians making this argument. Well, you know, we don't need a piece of paper to say that we're married. So we're living together, and uh, that's what our marriage is. And so that's kind of presented as this brave new, you know, we're kind of bucking against this man-made tradition. But at the end of the day, brothers, that's just saying, you know, to, to whoever your spouse is or whoever your supposed spouse is, I don't love you enough to actually make a commitment to you. <laughs> I don't love you enough to make a covenant and close off all other options. Yes. That's actually not a loving thing to do. That is a very um, undermining and hateful thing to do to somebody that you say that you love.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And the fact of the matter is, um, it's always been that the coming together of a man and, and a woman was a public ritual. Throughout all of the Old Testament, all of the language of the time between the, the becoming engaged— and the betrothal in biblical terms and the consummation of the marriage. Um, that b- biblical language permeates the entire Old Testament and it became this huge public ceremony when they two the two became one flesh. Um, so that aspect has always been true that marriage has been sanctified or, um,
0: Set apart. set
2: apart or endorsed, however you want to say it, by the legitimate government governing authority. We live in a country in which marriage is something that we, out of the laws of our, our state, apply for and are granted a marriage license. As a good citizen of the state, we should honor the, the arrangement in which we're under and make a public ceremony of that which God has always said, hey, I want this proclaimed, mm-hmm. that the two are becoming one.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, way back before the earth cooled, uh, there was a uh, rock group called Journey <laughs> that had a song called Open Arms. You guys remember that song? I think so. Lying beside you here in the dark. Da, 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 da. Yes, remember that? Definitely. And I sound i sound just like Steve Perry, by the way. How did we get them in our studio this morning? Yes. Part? How do we get <laughs> Steve Perry in the studio? Anyway, it's a beautiful love song. And it begins with those words, lying beside you here in the dark. Well, brothers, a young couple lying together in the dark, I love you are the three easiest words in the English language. Take that same couple, all the lights on in front of a church full of people to make their wedding vows. Now you're talking about love a public covenant that you make not only with each other, but with the covenant people of God publicly there, they're they're a part of it. And even if it's a secular ceremony, you're out in the park, but all your friends are there and it's going to be ratified by a legal document, even if it's a secular marriage. That's love. Lying beside you in the dark, anybody can say I love you but when you say i do in front of a church full of people now now you're talking about love
0: so that's a perfect transition to the next question because you're you're very much holding up the sanctity of marriage the sacredness of marriage and so some of uh, you know here in the in the Boise valley uh, there's a large LDS population and they believe that that marriage is so sacred and and so sanctified that it actually lasts for all eternity that you know if you Married, especially in the Mormon church and, and sealed. It's one of those sacraments that is forever. What does the Bible say about being married in heaven? Jesus could not have been more clear about
1: that. Jesus said, In heaven, there is neither marriage nor giving in marriage. I I don't know I don't know how that could be more clear. So no, uh, the, the Bible does not teach that marriage is an eternal thing. Marriage, marriage is for this life. Um, I do think we're going to know and recognize one another in heaven. We're going to continue in, in relationship with loved ones in heaven, but not in marriage. And that's why in the traditional Christian marriage vow, the traditional Christian marriage vow always ends with the words, until death do us part. And that's when marriage ends, because that's what Jesus said about the end of marriage. And it looks like Russ has his Bible open, so I'll let him read the text.
2: Yeah, Jesus answered the Sadducees and says, You're wrong, because you neither know the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. The jump then is, well, then we don't know our loved ones in heaven? Well, of course we know our loved ones in heaven. I mean, why wouldn't we? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's not that we won't know our hu- our husbands and wives, but heaven is really what we're misunderstanding. In so many ways, our marriage has prepared us for the ultimate marriage, and lesser affections fall away, at least in part, um, because we now have the object of our greatest affection. And so relationships are going to change in heaven, um, but not for the worse. Right. Um, it's for the better. Yeah. I mean, we we just have a greater affection
0: that will fill us. As David cried out in Psalm seventy three, "Whom have I in heaven but you, and on earth there is no one I desire besides you." There's a great parallel here to understanding exactly what you were saying, Russ. Like in the in the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Jews had sacrificial laws that would be completely fulfilled when Christ came. And so when Christ came, the, the true Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world, there was no more this need for this memorial, this, this, this slaying of the lambs in the Jewish temples in order to remind people that they needed innocent blood to, to wash away their sins. Now they had the Lamb of God. The same thing is true about marriage. Um, marriage is this wonderful ordinance that God has made, and we've been talking about the last few days, and it's leading us up to the final and full marriage that we have with Christ, mm-hmm. that there's not going to be this this lament in heaven where we're going to be saying, "Oh man, I miss the good old days." <laughs> that that's that's not going to be there. Like exactly what you said, this age is preparing us for the true heaven or for the true marriage that's going to be revealed.
1: Right, and and I and I do think that that's what our LDS uh, neighbors miss, or or. Um, misunderstand about heaven and and i i I think you know as both of you guys have touched on it's a it's not just a misunderstanding of marriage it's a misunderstanding of the very nature of what heaven is
0: yes well you've been listening to the gospel for life we've been talking about questions regarding marriage i think tomorrow we're going to get on um the topic of divorce if you've missed any of our broadcasts you can actually subscribe to our podcast just type in the gospel for life and whatever podcaster catcher you use we look forward to continuing this subject um god bless you if you want to get information on our upcoming conference in november just go to reformationboise.com i believe the website is updated now reflecting our new speakers and um, the sessions for this year but if not it should be updated here soon we'll see you next time